You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tanglos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. Heart failure is a common reason for hospitalization among older adults in long-term care patients. How can physicians prevent and manage heart failure while individualizing therapy in this population? Joining us to discuss preventing and managing heart failure in long-term care is Dr. Hossam Kamel, Director of Geriatrics and Extended Care at St. Joseph's Mercy Healthcare Center in Hot Springs, Arkansas, Medical Director of seven skilled nursing facilities in the state of Arkansas, and Associate Clinical Professor of Geriatrics at the Department of Geriatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Welcome, Hossam. Thank you, Dr. Tangalos. I'm pleased to be joining you and the listeners of ReachMD. Uh, we're glad to have you. We're going to talk about heart failure today. So first of all, give us an idea of how big a problem this is in long-term care. Heart failure is a very common problem in the patient population that we manage in long-term care. I'm sure our listeners know that it is the most common diagnosis-related group in the hospital. Heart failure is usually prevalent in patients who are older and especially or who are females, and these are the kind of patients that we have in our patient populations. Also, it increases in prevalence when you have different comorbidities like hypertension and diabetes, and all these are very common. So it is a very, very common condition that we face, and, and it's actually a very challenging condition to manage, and that's why AMDA decided to launch uh, clinical practice guidelines to manage this condition in the long-term care setting. Most of our patients uh, do come in with a diagnosis somewhere in their history of heart failure, but the issues at hand are preventing hospitalizations, preventing reoccurrences of heart failure, and I'm sure the AMDA guideline addresses all of that. Tell us about what we can do to help prevent a recurrence of heart failure in our long-term care patients. Preventing a recurrence of heart failure or exacerbation of heart failure and, and unnecessary hospitalization is one of our main goals when we manage patients with heart failure in the long-term care setting. And actually, it's easy really to achieve this task if we target our efforts to dealing with the preventable risk factors of heart failure that can cause this exacerbation, like uncontrolled hypertension. So managing hypertension is extremely, extremely important, keeping attention to the salt intake of the individuals. And we know in the nursing home setting in general, the amount of salt in the diet, it is around five grams per day. So really paying attention to this is also very important. Treating conditions like fever, like hyperthyroidism is very important. So these are really important factors. And sometimes in in extreme cases, we might resort to restricting the fluid intake of the individual. This is not something that we take lightly, but in some very sick patients, and if it is in accordance with the patient's wishes, we might resort to do this step too. All right, listen, how about some practical examples of monitoring for exacerbations of congestive failure? AMDA does a very good job in every one of its guidelines on the issue of monitoring. So let's spend a little time talking about that. Actually, in the heart failure guidelines, 
we did spend a big portion of the guidelines in monitoring because, as you are aware, the guidelines really target all the interdisciplinary team. And what's beautiful about AMDA guidelines is that it finds a role for every member, defines the role of every member in the team in managing the condition. And actually, the most important thing that we have for monitoring is monitoring the weight of the patient. This is very important. We suggested that patients with heart failure, and what we recommend in the guideline, that their weight needs to be monitored at least for three times a week. And if they are sicker, of course, this needs to be expanded. Also, it's important to monitor their electrolytes and blood workup because they are usually on diuretics and medication that can affect these electrolytes. Now, we affected the, we also stressed the role of the nursing staff in assessing these patients and and how to assess for rails and crackles and like edema and and patients who are in the bed on sacral edema. So all these are addressed in our guidelines. So these are all important factors in really assessing and monitoring this patient. And also we stress the importance of monitoring the functional activity of the patient and the symptoms. If the patient becomes more fatigued, they are nauseated, they are not eating well the wake up with shortness of breath, and all these are important factors that can raise a suspicion or are red flags to tell us that this patient probably needs more attention in assessing their heart and fluid congestion. Well, let's go back to the weight issue for a second and see if you can provide some insight for our listeners as to how to best weigh patients, when to weigh them, and how to tell if it's a spurious value that's actually going to disappear in a day and not be a problem. As you know, Dr. Tangelos, really obtaining weight, a reliable weight in the long-term care setting is a challenge and continues to be a challenge. And what we recommended in the heart failure guidelines and the nutrition clinical practice guidelines, that weight should be taken at the same time of the day every time we take it, preferably by the same person. The scales need to be monitored, preferably by using the same scale, and we also suggested that we need to be aware of the clothing that the patient has so that he is having consistent way of clothing when we are taking the weight. It's really important to, in order to minimize the differences in the weight. I mean, as you know, the weight can change during the day. So that's why having consistent time during the day is very important. In some of our facilities, we prefer to take the weights when the patient, after the patient has his shower or her shower. And uh, we have a scale in the bathroom, and that's how it would be the best time. The patient would have minimal clothing on, and and this would be a sort of consistent timing. And all my facilities will have a particular certified nurse assistant whose just her job is to take weight. That's very important not to have more than one person or minimize the number of people who are taking the weight because this has been shown to minimize variations. And we certainly use the same scale. We paid special attention when weighing the patient on a wheelchair or patients who, for example, they needed to be weighed in a wheelchair. We need to make sure that we make uh, allowance for the wheelchair and we weigh the wheelchair separately and then subtract the amount. So that's very, very important. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangelos, and joining me to discuss preventing and managing heart failure in long-term care is Dr. Hossam Kamel, Director of Geriatrics and Extended Care at St. Joseph's Mercy Healthcare Center in Hot Springs, Arkansas. 
medical director of seven skilled nursing facilities in the state of Arkansas, and associate clinical professor of geriatrics at the Department of Geriatrics at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Hossam, let's talk about the physician's role in uh, managing patients with heart failure and the choice of medications and therapies that they might choose. The physician has a very, very important role in managing heart failure. This not to minimize the important roles of the other members of the interdisciplinary team. You know that in long-term care, we work as a team, and every member of the team has a valuable role, but certainly the physician would be the person to prescribe the medications, but all dependent on the input from the different members of the team. We do have different classes of medications that we can use to treat heart failure, and we certainly use them all. The choice of that medication depends on identifying the goal. What is the goal of our treatment? That's very important. Is the goal of our treatment is to prevent mortality? Is the goal of our treatment is to prevent hospitalization? The goal of our treatment is to minimize hospital readmissions? Or if the goal of our treatment is to palliation? The other important factor in deciding about the medication, does the patient have volume overload symptoms? Without volume overload, we call the condition heart failure. If the patient has evidence of volume overload, we call it congestive heart failure to indicate that this patient has volume overload with the problem with the heart condition. Now, the third important factor that we take into consideration when we are deciding about the medication is the patient have heart failure with preserved ejection fracture or with reduced ejection fracture. Some of the listeners of ReachMD probably they might remember or recall the previous terms which used to be systolic dysfunction or diastolic dysfunction. And these terms has recently been changed and now we call it heart failure with preserved ejection fracture or reduced ejection fracture. So all these are important factors that we take into consideration when we are managing patients with heart failure. Certainly if the patient have volume overload symptoms, diuretics has an important role and it has been shown to improve function and improve quality of life and certainly decrease hospitalization. Although the data haven't shown that diuretics to decrease mortality, but certainly it does have important role. And then we go in individuals with heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, we usually the next step is to start one of the medications that has been shown to decrease mortality as well as improve symptoms and quality of life. And our first choice, and this was the standard, is to start an ACE inhibitors, angiotensin-converting enzymes inhibitors, and we have several now that are available on the market. We usually start slow, but we aim to reach the doses that was used in the clinical trials and has been shown to decrease the mortality. Now, in the individuals who cannot tolerate ACE inhibitors because of, for example, cough, we might resort to use ARBs or the angiotensin receptor 2 inhibitors. And then, of course, uh, recently, and not really very recently, just a few years ago, all of you have been familiar with the role of beta blockers in managing heart failure and how it affects the neurohormonal mechanism that is involved in the heart failure. Actually, we do start beta blockers. There are three beta blockers that are approved now for managing heart failure Carvidolol and the extended release form of Lopressor, and a third beta blocker that I cannot really recall right now, but there are three now on the market that are approved, and usually it's recommended to start this when the patient is stable, 
and then titrate them. It's recommending to titrate slowly to the dose that has been used in clinical trials and has been shown to improve mortality. Now we come to the third group of drugs that has been also shown to decrease mortality, and these are hydrolazine and nitrates. And uh, actually, recently, this has been reserved now for African-American patients who could not tolerate or ACE inhibitor was not working for them. We know that sometimes ACE inhibitors in African-American individuals does not really work well. And in these individuals, uh, starting hydralazine and nitrates has been shown to decrease mortality and improve really their quality of life and decrease hospitalization. Also in individuals with heart failure with decreased ejection fraction, starting aldosterone, aldosterone inhibitors like spironolactone has been shown to decrease the remodeling of the heart and improve mortality. But we need to be aware in these patients that hyperkalemia has been a problem in some of the patients. Now it's recommended to start spironolactone after you started the patients on the ACE inhibitors, beta blockers, and the diuretics. And sometimes adding spironolactone in these conditions increases the potassium and it really needs careful monitoring for these individuals. Now, the final thing, of course, and it's a little bit controversial, is digoxin. And we see several of our patients are using digoxin. Digoxin in the studies have been shown to improve quality of life and have been certainly shown to improve function and decrease hospitalization. However, it did not really decrease mortality in these patients. And actually, in some of the studies, when we stopped digoxin or discontinued digoxin, the patient's symptoms have been worsened. The consensus at this time is that digoxin is the last-line treatment. So after you start all the other medication, if the patient is still symptomatic, you might try to use digoxin. And these are actually a broad overview of how we manage heart failure in the nursing home. And, of course, there are other non-pharmacological interventions that we certainly do. It's paying attention to patient diet. It's starting to prescribe an exercise program. And then other factors that has been shown to help is cutting on smoking and alcohol, and this not usually a big problem in the nursing home. So, And then careful monitoring. Careful monitoring is very important because when it's always good to intervene before the condition is so advanced that the patient needs to end in the hospital. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, Dr. Hosam Kamel. Dr. Camel, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tangalos, and thank you for all the listeners of Rich Indy. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.